entrepreneurship for me is kind of like in a Rubik's cube, right? Is that you're turning it, you're turning it, you get one side all correct and you're like, all right, this is awesome. We're on our way. And then you flip it over. And then the other side is still all a mess. If you're turning it and you're fixing one side and then the other side is still a mess. And then you're continuing to turn and find all these solutions until you get every color right on every side and then hit that moment of euphoria. Maud Okra is the founder of Black Beauty Roster, a diversity and inclusion platform that connects the TV and film, fashion, commercial, and beauty industry with diverse beauty professionals for on and offset needs. During Maud's corporate career, she experienced firsthand the challenges of finding hairstylists and makeup artists who understood the needs of women of color. Frustrated with the lack of diversity and inclusivity in the beauty industry, Ma decided to take matters into her own hands. Coming up, why the best business ideas come from personal struggles. How you can create an impactful summit. You'll hear about the best places to find your next hire. And finally, how to use referrals as a business tool for growth. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters. No limits. And plenty of surprises. Maud, I am so excited to sit down with you and hear all about your entrepreneurista journey and story. I know that you have an incredible background that started in the corporate world and then led to you launching your own business. Can you tell me more about your career journey and what led you to start your business? First and foremost, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to share more about my entrepreneurial journey. So I started off in the corporate world. I'm really doing uh, strategy and global business development work um, in energy. And what was interesting with that is that because of the nature of the work I was doing, I would travel a lot. I'd move to different cities. And, you know, we joke around, uh, especially as women, but I would say even as women of color, is that whenever you go to a new city, you would find, you know, your doctor, your church, and then your hairstylist, right? Sometimes definitely not even in that order. And I think one of the big pieces was that as I moved to different cities, it was really difficult to find hairstylists that knew how to work with my texture or makeup artists that knew how to work with my complexion. And as I continued to work with my company, I would do different speaking engagements. And, you know, we would be advised, hey, there are hairstylists and uh, makeup artists that will, you know, provide services prior to you going on stage. And I would get so excited. But then unfortunately, what I was met with were, you know, hairstylists that didn't know what to do with my texture, makeup artists that didn't know what to do with my complexion. And I would joke around that sometimes they would have me looking casket ready, right? Like the foundation, my neck just did not match. And I kept saying there has to be a better way. Like there has to be a better way. And what I started to realize were that the challenges I was facing, you know, as a woman of color, when it came to my hair and makeup, were also challenges that my peers were facing and talked about, yeah, it's been difficult for me as well. And it kind of became one of those pieces of like a resource group, if you will, where we were talking and sharing, you know, who we knew that could work with darker complexions, who we knew that could work with our texture. And what was crazy for us was that it started off with everyday women like ourselves 
And then from there, we had executives reaching out, wanting help for hair and makeup, you know, as diverse women of color. And then from executives, it led us into working with conferences. And as we were working with conferences, we started working with public figures and they needed help with hair and makeup and shared, you know, heartbreaking stories of their respective experiences. And from public figures, it then led us to working with celebrities. And that's when I was just shocked because I'm thinking as a celebrity, you have access to all these resources when it comes to hair and makeup and you have access to, you know, a plethora of money as well. So how is this a challenge? And it really opened up this world, especially, you know, in TV and film when it comes to hair and makeup, the challenges that if you're an everyday woman or a big time celebrity, it is still a big issue that we all struggle with. And that really became the catalyst to a lot of the work that I'm doing with BBR and how I ended up in this space. How long were you kind of working on this idea in the background, putting together this network before you said, actually, this needs to be an actual business and need to go all in and do it? Um, I'd say probably about two years of just kind of working on it. And, you know, I'll never forget, I was on a work call and then my phone was ringing and it was like a really big production company that was trying to get a hold of us for hair and makeup services. And, you know, I, I'm taking that call and they're telling me to join this conference call. So I'm on two conference calls and I'm like, I got to make a decision. Like, I got to figure this out, you know, because it's not sustainable. And that really became one of the big pieces of really having that passion and saying that if I don't try, I'll never know and really jumping into it. How did you build out the business model behind what the business now is today? What were some of those first steps that you took to realize like this is a problem, but can you actually turn this into a business? So one of the big steps for us was really, again, understanding how big the problem was. And I think one of the challenges that we found was really how it transcended across different segments of women of color that all shared the same issue. And it was something that some had, you know, talked about in private. And then there were some that really shared in public, right? We saw the tweets, we saw the articles of heartbreaking stories of, you know, actresses, models, influencers sharing their experiences, you know, on set when it came to hair and makeup and also offset. And one of the things that we had to do is take a step back and say, well, where are the opportunities to really build the, the business? And one of those came from as we were taking a moment and seeing the opportunity, one of the big moments that actually caused us to pause and reflect was in 2020 in the wake of George Floyd and his murder, right? And I think that caused everybody, regardless of your race, regardless of your gender, sexual orientation, to just pause and say, what more can I do? And that became true for me as well. And I think with, within that space of understanding what more can we do, what we found was that there are a lot of conversations being had about this problem in silos. So hairstylists and makeup artists that had the skill set were ex expressing their frustration of not being able to have the opportunity. Actresses, models, and influencers were sharing heartbreaking stories about their experiences amongst primarily themselves for fear of being you know, cast as a diva or someone that wanted extra things when really what they were looking for was the same treatment as their peers. And that was viewed as, mm, you're asking for a lot, you're a diva. And then you had productions and brands that we're saying, you know, behind closed doors of, we don't know what to do. We want to do the right thing, but we're terrified of making a mistake, right? Because of public reputation. And what we recognize is that with all these conversations happening in silos, we had to bring everyone together. 
we had to break down the silos and try and figure out a solution that worked. And that's when we held our first digital summit. So we had our BBR, our BBR digital summit in 2021. And it was one of those things, never done a summit before. We're like, how hard can this be? It was so difficult. It ran for eight hours. We had like over, I think it was like 20 different panels that occurred during that time phrase. You had, you know, three or four panelists on at once. I was like, this is crazy. You know, you didn't sleep for weeks, but it was so important, so impactful. But I say that because it really made us better understand, you know, the business model in terms of what the need was from not only, you know, women of color like myself, but from larger businesses and really being able to roll that out. And, you know, one of the great things about entrepreneurship is that you have to learn and you have to sometimes fail fast. So we tried different business models until we were able to find ones that really worked for us and growing the business. What is the business model today from those learnings? So we actually have a subscription-based model and also project-based model based on our respective client and their need. We do quite a bit that that also leans into education and that leans into more of our project-based model. If someone does want to do a project with you, like, can you give me an example of what that looks like? Because some of our listeners could be potential clients for you. So I want to be sure you share uh, who the best clients are. Yes, yes. So, you know, our clients, extend over TV and film, fashion and beauty. And some of the project work that we do is helping them, whether it's like extension of their respective like foundation line to be more inclusive, to wanting feedback around creative creative direction for projects that they're shooting and ensuring that it's inclusive. You know, we got to work as a creative consultant on a major project for a really large production in the fantastical world that is getting ready to premiere later this year that we're super excited about has been some of the work. And then just general education, right? One of the big things that we've recognized is you don't know what you don't know. And in recognizing and being a decision maker, especially when it comes to making decisions for talent or influencers on booking hair and makeup, what should be the questions that you're asking, right? How are you ensuring that you're a true ally in this space. And we have training that we do for companies and we've done it across beauty companies. We've done it across media companies. We've done it across fashion companies. And it's been really impactful to creating a more inclusive beauty business. That's incredible. Thank you for for sharing that. Okay, I have to go back to something that you shared before that you put together this digital summit and it was so hard, so much work. And now I bet you have a lot of learnings from that experience because I know a lot of our, you know, members of our community, they want to host summits or have hosted summits. And I think there's a lot of learning lessons there to share because it can be very challenging to organize and host those summits. So what are some of the learnings from, from launching that? So one of the big learnings we would say is really leverage your network. So people that have done this before, take them out to coffee, you know, send them a digital card if you're kind of still in the Zoom world and really understand what it takes to go into that. We did not. So we were learning trial by fire, like, oh, let's do this. Oh, what platform can we host it on? Right. And all these different technical difficulties that went into it. And then the other big pieces was also ensuring that you understood the clear themes that you wanted to really bring out in each of the respective panels and being able to cultivate those communities where people can learn and feel engaged. And then also understand who the best partners are. You know, sometimes being able to go out and find those sponsors to be a part of the overall summit or production that you're doing isn't the easiest, right? And being able to be clear on your intention, being able to articulate the impact, being able to know how you're 
um, going to drive value to them through what you're building is so critical so you can actually put together the best type of platform and the best type of summit possible. And then one of the big things that was a learning is sort of the post-summit work, right? So I remember when we got through these eight hours and we couldn't believe that we did it and everyone was so excited. And then our partners are like, oh, where's all the footage? And we had streamed all of those eight hours into one. And if you know about uploading things, especially like production quality that is being shot at like the highest resolution, it takes forever. So we had to upload it and it took like, I don't even know, maybe a day and a half, something crazy like that. And then we had to get editors on it and then they're editing it and then they're getting it reloaded back up and then we're having to upload it back up. And doing, you know, postmortem and all of that for our respective partners. And it's one of those pieces where you work so hard, you think it's done. And then right after it ends, people are wanting all these different pieces. Let's get these social content pieces cut up, put online. And you're just like, oh my goodness, it's not over, right? It's like seeing the finish line and thinking you cross and it's like, oh no, there's another mile. And you're like, yeah. Now, you know, for the next one, are there certain softwares or tools that you found either worked really well for you or that, you know, didn't work as well as you thought they would that you can share or recommend? I would say one of the big pieces, even as we've been building our business, that's been really, really helpful to us has been Canva. It's been really revolutionary for us in terms of being able to, you know, whether it's your pitch deck, whether it's the creation of content, whether it's really being able to articulate and communicate in an illustration, the work that you're trying to do and convey, that's been really, really great for us. How did you go about funding the business? Yeah. So one of the big things we did in the beginning was like flying out the Silicon Valley, going and trying to meet with, you know, as many investors as as you could. And we kept hearing, you know, no, not yet, not big enough. You know, I don't really understand the business. I don't really understand the customer. I don't really understand the model, what I deemed a bit of excuses. And one of the things that we had to do is take a step back and reflect on, well, let's just do this ourselves, right? So we really bootstrapped. We understood who our customer were and we really went out and built the business. And what started to happen was, you know, we, we got a, quite a bit of press early, which was great. And then we had investors kind of coming back and say, oh, it's so great to see the growth you've had. We'd love to talk with you more. And even in some of those conversations where we said, you know, we'd love to talk to you more, or they said, that they said we'd love to talk to you more. It was still a bit of a song and dance. Like, oh, well, I'm not sure yet. And for us, like, okay, you called us. So, you know, we kind of went back on. But what was great was we had some great investors that really believed not only in the mission, but also, you know, myself and the work that we were doing. And we were fortunate enough to get some funding to really help build the platform and to really get us going. And that was, you know, been really great for us. And we've continued to grow the business from there. That's amazing. Advice you can share about building a technology platform. Do's, don'ts, everything in between. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the big pieces, especially is not being a technical founder, is making sure you find the right partner. And then also understanding that less is more. You know, when I've had an opportunity to speak to other entrepreneurs that have reached out, I spoke on panels and they said, I want to build an app. I'm like, well, why do you want to build an app? You know, what are the problem that you're solving? And, And after speaking with some of them, what we realized was they actually just needed a landing page to get started, right? And they needed really a great sort of digital content piece that they could track and test with consumers and kind of build that waiting list and see 
Do I have the critical mass or interest? And then from there, that goes into kind of even having, you know, a small wireframe website um, or even building a really simplified website that could be, have the interface of an app, right? Kind of a web app, if you will, is one of those pieces that we've seen a lot of. And that allows you to be able to test, to iterate, and then grow the business and then decide if an app is the best utility for your platform. Definitely. How did you end up choosing your tech partner to work with? So a lot of it came through speaking to my network, getting recommendations, having those discussions. Sometimes it went well, sometimes it didn't. And then you're trying to find another tech partner. But that was one of the really big pieces was really leveraging my my network and recommendations. How big is your team now? So our team overall, now, my goodness, we are a team of eight. Wow, amazing. Who was your first hire that you brought on? So our first hire was actually an intern. So we met on, you know, chaginternships.com. That was just absolutely amazing. So energetic. And, you know, as the business was growing, you know, she graduated and was working with us. And, you know, as a startup, you're really kind of uh, lean and especially, you know, trying to make sure you can make it work. And it came one of those critical moments where she's like, you know, unfortunately I have to, you know, go do a full-time job. Just all these different bills are building up. And at that time, we just had, you know, closed a a key round and it was like perfect. And we said, nope, you're good. Full time, fully employed, you know, benefits, all all the glory. And she was so ecstatic and has been just a, a great, great, great hire. So how do you go about finding your employees? Any advice you can share about the best places to find people that are going to be the great fit for your team? So one of the big places I think for me has been, again, networks or recommendations, and also really trying to leverage interns and freelancers, because I think that gives you an idea to work together, see if, they, if they're a great fit for uh, the business, the business culture, the business mission. And then from there, you can kind of build together and be able to bring them on full-time or be you know a uh, full-time employee of the company. Totally agree with that. That's how we've built both of our businesses with that model. And it's it's super helpful because then you can figure out, is it the right fit? Is it not the right fit? And if it is, then you have everything set up to, to bring them on full time. So love that advice. Do you have a go-to interview question that you always ask someone? One of the things I ask is that if you were CEO, what would you change uh, your first week on the job? Because that kind of gives me an idea of research that they've done, you know, on the company, it kind of gives me an idea of like their skill set and where they think they can add like impact and value. And it also just kind of gives me an idea of their interpersonal effectiveness or how they respond to that question. Usually people are shocked when I ask them, they're like, wait, what? Sometimes folks will laugh. And then we've had people that we've interviewed that had sort of a direct question of, you know, this is, this is what I would consider. So. Up next, You're about to hear about the moment that Maud knew she had made it. What is the craziest thing that's happened to you since launching your business? One of the craziest things that happened is that, um, (laughs) laughing because I'm like, oh, wow, that was a moment. So, you know, with, with our platform, we had one time where a member of my team had, you know, reached out and you said, oh my God. Tiffany Haddish's book. And I was like, wait, what? Like, yeah, she, you know, has book hair and makeup services. And we thought it was spam. So we just said, no, there's no way. There's no way. Someone's messing with us. And I said, well, is there an email? And there was an email there. And I said, well, why don't 
we email and just, you know, double check and verify. And our team emailed and in fact, she responded and was like, yeah, I need hair and makeup, like X, Y, Z, like today in Miami. And we're like, what? And we hadn't actually officially opened up our Miami market. So it became one of those where we said, okay, let's go. Like, let's figure this out. Let's get hair and makeup sorted. And we were able to do that for her. And she looked absolutely beautiful. She loved it. She thanked us for, you know, the services we provided and went on and had an amazing, brilliant show. And we were so happy to have had the opportunity to have been a part of it. It was a great, beautiful moment for the hairstyles and makeup artists, even with the makeup artist that still works with her from time to time today. And it was just one of those great moments of being able to see everything come together, being able to support a need and really be able to show the value uh, in the work that we're doing. So that's amazing. I love that story. And I'm just like picturing you there, like all of a sudden, like, wait, is that really, really her wait, email? Really? Is that her? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's so awesome. And I'm sure that she tells other people about it. And that's how, how the word spreads. What has been your marketing strategy and certain tactics or initiatives that you've launched that have been really successful? So one of the big things for us has been we've really leveraged like the beauty of network marketing, right? Is that social media has really spoken for us, the value of the work that we were doing. And that has been one of the biggest referrals. So what we found is that a lot of brands that have good experiences will refer us to other people and, you know, we'll just get an email and like, oh, how'd you hear about us? Like, oh, so-and-so recommended you. And that has been really great and big for us. And then also we've um, been fortunate enough to leverage different partnerships with different organizations that has also helped with you know spreading the word and has been really great for the growth of the business. Talk to me about setting up partnerships with other organizations. Are there certain tactics or strategies that you use to form partnerships and specific like formats of partnerships that you have found work really well? So one of the big things for us that I'll speak to our Warner Brothers Discovery Partnership, which was really, really a big moment for us as a company brand and really validated the work that we were doing. And one of the key pieces was really understanding the problem and how BBR was going to provide a true solution and fill that, that need. And one of the big things that we had to understand is that while the overarching problem people are aware of around the challenges with hair and makeup and diversity and inclusion is that there is a variation of that problem based on your customer and client and who you're working with. And being able to understand what that variation is really helps you understand how your partnership can be fruitful for both parties. And that became one of the big pieces for us because I know, you know, we were in discussion with them probably for about four or five months before we really got to a point of where they came back and said, yes. And it was one of those moments where we're like, wait, yes, yes. And they're like, yes, we're, we're going to partner with you. And we're very excited too. And it was just such a beautiful moment. But one of the key pieces was that we were quite clear on understanding what the nuance was in the challenge and problem that they were working with and being able to provide a solution that spoke to that. How did you get in the door with Warner Brothers and how do you get in the door with some of these bigger companies? Any advice you can share to founders that are trying to form these partnerships with bigger companies? And I know there can be gatekeepers and especially big companies, it's hard to always get to the right people. <laughs> yes. So one of the big things I would say is ensure that you're doing the work prior to reaching out, right? So ensuring that you have the track record because how we were able to engage with Warner Brothers was really through the summit we had. We literally got an email from 
someone at the company asking to learn more on the work we were doing with BBR post our summit, right? Because our summit had a really viral moment. We were fortunate enough to have, you know, Gabrielle Union be a part of it, uh, Sir John, Vernon Francois, Larry Sims, Kim Kimball, all these industry leaders that truly championed the problem and solution. And we just got an email to hello, Black Beauty roster. And that started the conversation. But I will say one of the big pieces is also knowing who the decision maker is in the service that you're offering being able to leverage LinkedIn as a super powerful tool to understand based on what product you're offering, who would be probably that critical decision maker and not just finding one, but finding several people within that respective department and sending you know emails out and being able to follow up. I think one of the big pieces is that sometimes we get discouraged if we don't hear anything, right? And you know, usually when we don't hear anything, we sometimes will think, oh, they didn't see it. And for me, the first time, is okay, it probably didn't get to them. They were busy, so let me try again, right? The third time is maybe they write it, but they weren't sure. So let me convince them one more time on why we should have the phone call, right? So it's recognizing the need to be persistent and also understanding that it's important not to take it personal. And until they tell me no, I'm going to try. Yes, I love it. You just, persistence is everything. You just keep reaching out. And even when they say no, it does. I always say it might mean not yet. Yes, <laughs> keep going. yes. And that's a great point too. Right. Yes. Find out what their needs are, why they said no. And there could be an opportunity in the future. Or I like to, you know, ask people, if this is not the right fit for you, who can you refer me to who this would be the right fit for? And just, just keep asking. <laughs> and that's also a really great piece as well. So when we would do sort of our demo calls and we would get great feedback, we would ask, is there anyone else that you think would benefit from this service, like in your peer network group? And they'd be like, yeah, I have a few. And they would say the names or they would send an email with some of the names. So that was really great. Are there certain things that you learned during your corporate career that have really helped you as you've gone on now to be running your own business? Yes. So I would say some of the really big pieces is, or big pieces for me was around really understanding how to communicate, right? How to be able to get people to see and understand your vision, right? How to be able to take, you know, pushback and rebuttals and be able to articulate and make your point because that was one of the big things within the corporate structure. And I think also one of the things was around sort of organization structure uh, and ways of working was one of the really big things I took from working in the corporate environment. Because when you you know are an entrepreneur, it's a bit of the wild, wild west. You're like, okay, let me figure out how to do this and figure out how to do this. Okay, I'm you know bringing people on. What is that respective procedure and process? And being able to kind of go back to things that I learned within an organizational structure was really helpful. Are there certain things that you experience in the corporate world that you're like, I'm never bringing any of this to, to my company. I'm doing it my own way. Yes. And the pointless meetings are something that, you know, and you felt like in corporate, maybe you couldn't really speak up, but with our team meetings, we really kind of go into it with ensuring that we put like what the purpose is and then asking ourselves, do we think it can be done within an email? Right. And that becomes one of the big pieces we found that's been really beneficial for efficiency. So, you know, I think one of the things that we have around meetings and the structure of what the purpose is, and it's not even about that, it can be on the personal side, right? Because one of the things that we say is just having that sense check and say, how many times have you left a meeting and said, this could have been an email? 
And then recognizing that you don't want to bring that culture into your business is I have to ask myself that is, is this something that could be an email or even a voice note, right? Versus a meeting and ensuring that I'm allowing my team to be as productive as they need to be. I love that advice. Thank you for sharing that. It's so true because even especially now, you know, we, our business, we're fully remote. Are you, And I know you mentioned an office before. Are you remote first company or you have an office and your team's uh, working remote? We're remote first company. Yeah. And I have an office I work out of. Yeah. I have found, you know, it can be, can become easy to like have meeting upon meeting upon meeting because you're on Zoom and you're not in office and can't just talk to each other quickly. And then you can end up in all these meetings all day and not executing work. And I like how you shared that. Like, could this be an email? Can this get done in three seconds instead of putting together a whole long meeting? It's really important because all we have is the number of hours in a day and there's not a lot of them. So you need to be as efficient as possible and not get Zoom and meeting fatigue for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And even thinking about sort of, you know, your team and ensuring that they're in the best space in mind, you know, we start off our meetings with highs and lows, just to kind of lean in more into the personal side of how are you doing? How was your weekend? You know, what's something you're really happy about? Maybe something that you're not so happy about that, you know, didn't go well, and just kind of creating that space to allow people to find their own balance and what that looks like. Totally. Are there certain business tools or softwares that have really helped you you know, organize the business, scale the business, especially since the whole team is remote? I would say the big pieces that we've really leveraged on our side, you know, from like a a sales piece has been like HubSpot, which has been really good for us. The power of Zoom virtually. And then Google Suite has been something that we've used that has been really good in terms of just being able to ensure that we streamline things that were as efficient as possible. And those have been really helpful tools for us. Agree on all of those and Canva that you mentioned before. I'm like, well, what did we do before Canva? It's been I know it's <laughs> mind blowing. Like someone sent me a PowerPoint. I was like, what? What do I do with this? <laughs> I know, I know. So how to open up my Microsoft again? Yeah. So. Coming up, learn the secrets to get in front of major decision makers. What are you most proud of that you've accomplished over the past few years and really in your your career? It's just so incredible all you've done, I feel like, so quickly. Well, thank you for that positive feedback. I would say the piece that I'm most proud of has been around the impact and feedback we've received from hairstylists, makeup artists, and the industry of where we've changed their life, right? And I think that's one of the big things about me is I'm I'm not really one of the one to be like in the limelight and the showpiece because I do believe it's bigger than me. I think one of the things that sometimes happens is that, especially with diversity and inclusion, people view it as charity work. And the reality is that it's not charity work, right? It's, it's literally about ensuring that we're helping to drive impact, but that we're also benefiting people's lives and making a more inclusive industry for everybody. And one of the big pieces for that has been the lives that we've been able to change for hairstylists and makeup artists. And then I would say one of the the proudest moments was our, our big opportunity and partnership with Warner Brothers Discovery, because it really gave us that validation in the market with the work that we were doing and also doubling down on the importance and the value when it comes to understanding the impact of diversity and inclusion, especially in beauty, but across media, across fashion as important moments. Wow, that's so incredible. And congrats again. Like I said, it's just, you've, 
you know, started this only a few years ago and the platform that you've already built and the lives you've touched and, and changed and the impact, it's it's incredible. And thank you for sharing all of these learning lessons too, because we all know it is not easy to uh, start something from nothing. And I always say, like, even with, with entrepreneurs, it's just, if we, we're working around the clock, but it's the impact that you can make and the, the lives that you're changing, like there's nothing better. So all the hard work is worth it, but- uh, Most certainly. And I think even just to add to that, it's about, especially with entrepreneurship, is that you have to be passionate about the journey because that's what's going to keep you going. And I was telling people, I was like, you know, entrepreneurship for me is kind of like in a Rubik's Cube, right? Is that you're turning it, you're turning it, you get one side all correct and you're like, all right, this is awesome. We're on our way. And then you flip it over and then the other side is still all a mess. And you're turning it and you're fixing one side and then the other side is still a mess. And then you're continuing to turn and find all these solutions until you get every color right on every side and then hit that moment of euphoria and feel just great about it. And that's one of the things that I just really encourage and kind of the, the beauty of the journey in entrepreneurship. I've never heard that analogy. I love that so much. We have we have to share that everywhere. It's, it's so true though. I so, so relate to that. And like I say sometimes, like every day just feels like, you know, there's high highs, low lows, everything in between in a whole day, in an hour, in 10 minutes. Like there's just so many things you're trying to problem solve. And you could like get this really great call from Warner Brothers, have this great meeting and this happened and then have this like really horrible thing in the <laughs> happen in the business five minutes later. And then it's like, how do you balance all of these emotions and feelings? And for me personally, I, I just have learned to like, just try to stay as even as possible and not get so excited or so upset and just have the framework or the mindset like, all right, everything's figure outable. We're going to celebrate all the wins for sure, but we're just going to try to stay as a... <laughs> no, definitely. And I think one thing just to add, around like one of our proudest moments, because you just made me think of this. And I know you said we can edit and all that jazz, is that we had a really big opportunity to do some training for L'Oreal on their professional products division. And we worked tirelessly on creating this really bespoke training that was driving impact. And, you know, it was their first time working with us. So they, they weren't sure. And we got on the flight, we flew to Chicago, we delivered the training. And I'll never forget this. We had one of the participants from the company come up to us and she was in tears. And it was the first time I'd sort of witnessed that. And she just said, thank you, because for the first time I felt seen, I felt heard, and I feel that there are actual tools that I can bring back to my team and help them understand what more we can do around diversity and inclusion as it relates to the products and services we're offering. And it really touched me, right, to be able to have that type of impact, to be able to see the value and to know that it's then going to pay it forward to more people and that she feels empowered and no steps that she can take. And that was a moment that really made me sit down and, and reflect and was really grateful. Like it's all, it's the best and it's all worth it. All those hard, hard late nights, all worth it. Yes, most certainly. Well, when you are not working on building your business, what is your life like? What do you do for fun outside of business building? <laughs> That's a great question. I, I will say I'm, I have not been the best with work-life balance and it continues to be a challenge for me. But I, I do, I guess, even for me, like the whole work-life balance, I just think it's really tough as an entrepreneur. I think it's really about like integration and finding what that piece is. So I really, you know, enjoy you know, spending time with my husband, whether we're big foodies, so like trying new restaurants. I really like to walk as old fashioned as that sounds, but I feel like it's just a great way to explore, 
cities to be able to kind of even learn more about like neighborhoods that you're in and just taking advantage of that. But I'm, I'm trying to get better at having more hobbies. So <laughs> I'm with you. And I, I say the same thing, like work life integration, especially now with working from home, everything is like so connected and uh, just trying to find that. I don't know that there's balance, but I think there is like doing more things for yourself to take care of yourself. That's what I've really tried to to focus on. But it's hard like when you're so passionate about your business and it's like your baby and your mission and everything that you're trying to build. Like for me personally, like I love spending all, all my time if I'm not with my little one or my husband. Like I'm just always thinking of stuff. And, you know, when you have that passion, it's, you know, I think it's okay for it to be uh, your hobby, your life, your everything. At least it is for me. So I tell myself that. <laughs> exactly. And especially if you you love it, right? And you enjoy it. And sometimes it doesn't feel like work, right? And I think that's when you know you're kind of in this beautiful moment in space. Absolutely. Final question for you, Maud. What does being an entrepreneurista mean to you? Being an entrepreneurista means to me the ability to drive impact, the ability to lead with intention, and the ability to truly find my own joy, happiness, and purpose through the work I do. Well, you are definitely doing it. And I'm so excited to continue to stay in touch and follow you and see all of the incredible things that you're going to accomplish with this business and beyond. Where can everyone find you and follow you? And for those that might be interested in working with you or signing up on the platform, what's the best way for them to find you and do so? Yes. So the best way to, to work with us and, and engage is finding us on Instagram. So at Black Beauty Roster and also our website, www.blackbeautyroster.com. You can reach any of us through our contact button. Um, we're quite active on Instagram and you know, a member of our team will respond to you at any time. And yeah, we look forward to being able to share more about the great work we're doing with BBR. Amazing, Maude. Thank you again for being here. I'm Stephanie and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entrepreneurista.com and connect with us on Instagram at entrepreneurstas. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entrepreneurista League, our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entrepreneurista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead.